Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to two passages. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and Philippians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and Philippians chapter 4. Now, uh, we, we've been speaking for weeks on this Promised Land Living series, which is really, to summarize, weeks of teaching, it would be this. God is calling you and I to live a Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered life that expands the kingdom. We, we worked our way through the, the book of Joshua. And I realized some things, you know, as we were doing this, this the, the, these stories of Joshua entering in and taking two million people into the promised land, they are filled with stories that amaze. They are filled with moments where you're like, wow, that is, that's mind blowing. And I realized as I'm, uh, you know, we're, we're making these declarations and we're teaching these truths that it's, we're helping a lot of people, but I recognized that there would be a temptation if that scene were unfolding today, if God took Brad and stood him before the Jordan River and said, you know, if you'll put your foot in it, I'll dry it all the way back to the city of Adam. If he told his wife that, she's probably going to say, you are out of your mind. I just wonder... Has anybody ever walked with God in a way that caused other people to say, you are out of your mind? Well, if not, you've been playing it a little safe. And I want to call you into this spirit-led, spirit-filled, kingdom-expanding life where you know you are out of your mind. Come on, look at your neighbor. Just look at him and tell him, you are out of your mind. <laughs> Shuli over here, he's like, oh, I ain't saying that to my wife. I'm not saying that to my wife. Some of y'all couldn't wait to say that to your spouse. It's wrong of you. Next series is on marriage. No. Uh, no. You, what your response should be, that's not an insult. Man, you just blessed me. You just blessed me. I believe what God is calling the church to in this hour is to be a people that compared to culture is completely out of their minds. You are completely out of your mind. Now, I want to use this scripture as a backdrop because God is calling Calvary Church to do some things that require us to be out of our minds and in the spirit. Out of our minds and in the spirit. We spend a lot of time in our minds. And believe me. That when you are simply living in the realm of the mind. You limit your future. But when you live in the spirit. There are miracles. But it's going to require you. To step a little further. Now listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. If you have the Bible app, 
You can launch the live event. All these notes are there. You can add your own notes to this and save it. Have all of this for yourself and come back and review it later. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15 says this. Apostle Paul, so great. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. But if we are in our right mind, it's for you. And here's the reason. Here it is. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised from the dead. You see, out people who are out of their mind come carrying a message. And it is this, there is one who died for you, whose arms are extended to you, who wants to welcome you into the family of God. And he proved it by, by saying, listen, I'm fighting for you in the cross, but the resurrection proves I won. And everybody who places faith in him overcomes sin and is welcomed into the family of God. That's the truth. And if you're out of your mind, that's the message you carry. God ever tell you to do something so big you knew you were out of your mind? It had to be out of your mind. Didn't come from within. Didn't add up. Got some, uh, I mean, some dear, dear friends and saints. Archie and Tangy Callahan from Bridge Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. They're in town their daughter Peyton is here. Their daughter Raylan has led worship here. They're here on the front row. I just want to honor them because they are voices in Virginia Beach, pastors and leaders. And here's what most of you in this room, maybe you've heard me mention this, you don't know how God connected our house back in 2019. It was in one of those moments where I was out of my mind. In 2019, we had two services, and both of them looked like this. So full. I'm like, God, we're going to have to build on this property. you got to show me. Lord, I know how to disciple people. But that, that construction gift, that's for somebody else. That's not my gift. you got to show me a building. So I got, you know, I went into my prayer closet with my computer and Googled it. <laughs> Real spiritual. Sorry. I was real spiritual right then, being led by the Spirit. The only thing I heard that was spiritual was the number of seats, 900. And I Googled, you know, church plans, 900 seats. And I happened to look at the second plan. I'm like, oh, well, that looks interesting. I said, that actually would kind of function with the kind of ministry that we want to have one day. It's like, hmm, that's neat. Push print. Looked at it a few times. Just said, wow. Okay, God. Thanks for that. Folded it and put it in my Bible. A couple weeks later, Corey is leading an impact volumes conference in Virginia Beach. And I'm speaking there at the conference. Corey's going to be speaking. We're doing worship at the Bridge Church. And I'm walking in the side door. And I hear the Lord say these words. How would you like to test drive a building? 
Does God talk to you this way? Like he says stuff that you wouldn't think. I hope he does. Because when he spoke that to me, I didn't know what he meant. I'm walking in the building and I'm carrying my bag and inside my bag is my Bible. And I walk in this building and I hear the Lord say, would you like to test drive a building? I don't even know what that means. And then I walk in the building and things start to look eerily familiar. I'm just walking around looking at the stage and looking at the place. Meet Pastor Archie for the first time. And I, I then remembered, huh, opened my, opened my backpack, pulled out my Bible, and the plan fell out. And it says, Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm standing and going to be preaching in the building I printed out weeks before. Out of my mind. By the way, it's not the first time I've ever been called out of my mind. I can remember as a youth pastor coming before our last senior pastor, and I remember, I, I remember coming before him saying, Pastor, I'm going to take a group of young people to the Amazon. You know what he said? Are you out of your mind? I said, thank you. He goes, well, is that just for the older ones, maybe juniors and seniors? I think I said, no, I'm taking a 13-year-old little girl. Are you out of your mind? She was the quietest girl in the whole youth group. But let me tell you what happens when you step out of your mind and you step into the spirit and you get to a place with no roads in and no roads out. You either fly or take a boat to get there. Here's what happens. You send a group to the hospital just to ask if you could pray for a few folks. And then they, they pray. And I'm on, the, I'm, I'm on the day two prayer team. So I, as a pastor, sometimes you think, well, man, I got to go and fix something with the hospital administration. Ain't no telling what, what these crazy kids did yesterday in this place. But when we got there, we said, we're here to pray for any of uh, you know, the people that didn't get prayer for yesterday. They opened every door in every hallway. And they said, they said, nope, every patient, we want you praying for everybody. I said, why, why? They said, well, there were some young people who prayed for a man who was deathly ill. He was yellow in his eyes and skin from malaria. He was eaten up and he was dying. And I said, okay, what happened? They prayed for him and he got so healed and touched, he left before your team got here today. And I'm like, glory to God. Out of your mind. Taking young people to the prison. You know what happened? Every prisoner got saved. Out of our minds. We, we hired this little old 1980 Toyota Corolla with a, with a big horn on the top of it. And we gave them a message to share around this little city. Just drive around and say, soccer tournament in Portuguese at you know, and, and we, we, we got this facility. We threw a, a soccer tournament where they were going to be playing the Americans. And let's all, let's all admit, when Brazilians are playing Americans, they're like, Psh, that's a win. Okay? 
They didn't know. They didn't know. All the teams that came out, we gave away uh, uh, stuff there. It was incredible. Here's what I, the God, God I, I literally gave me a message. Jesus the Bolero. The Bolero is a goalie, but what he does is make saves. You know what happened? Every athlete got born again that day. Every person got born again. Out of my mind. I want to invite the church to get out of their mind. I think much of the problem that we have in the church when it comes to living a life in the Spirit is you think a life of the Spirit is something that you can calculate, that you can contain, that you can control. And I'm here to tell you that when you live a life in the Spirit, it's called following the leadership of God. You let Him lead you. You let Him guide you. But there are invitations every day to get back in your mind. Circumstances come. Bills need to be paid. Where's that coming from? Here's a diagnosis. Here's a tough situation. Here's something I'm facing emotionally or relationally. It is an invitation to take back control rather than to lean into God. And I want to tell you, God gave me a strategy out of Philippians chapter 4, very simple, to keep you out of your mind. Some of us, that's the biggest problem we have. Is that God starts to move in a place like this, like on first Wednesday, for instance, where we prayed and we saw healings and deliverance and salvations. And it was an incredible night. And listen, I believe Satan doesn't mind if you're out of your mind in church as long as you're back in it out in the world. But this says, if we are out of our mind, it is for God's sake. And if we're in our right mind, it's for you. Now, Philippians 4, there are four principles that God spoke to me and said, I want to teach you today, give you four very simple things that you can do to stay out of your mind. You're going to stay out of your mind. Out of your mind for the kingdom. Out of your mind. Living in a way... That allows you to be led by the Spirit of God. Philippians 4, 4 through 9, this is what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding... We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard in me, this is the Apostle Paul, or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I want to give you four very simple ideas that are going to help you to stay out of your mind and stay in the Spirit. Stay out of your mind and stay following the Holy Spirit. Let me give you the first one. The first one is very simple. It's praise. You've heard that interwoven into this the, the last series, Promised Land Living. 
Why? Because praise sets confusion in the enemy's camp. It means God starts noisily moving. Remember, that's what confusion means. It means noisily moving. If you want God to start noisily moving in your life, begin to rejoice. Now, by the way, I'm convinced if God says something one time in his word, we ought to listen to it. But when God says something twice... Lean in. I don't know why God would have to repeat himself other than perhaps we're in our minds. We're in our own thinking. We wonder and question whether or not these things will actually produce. And yet God says here twice, rejoice. Rejoice. What's it mean to rejoice? Rejoice means this. To be exceedingly glad for grace exceedingly glad like over the top glad the the root word of this word rejoice is actually the root word for the word grace itself in in the greek and so what we find here all throughout scripture when you see this word rejoice it needs to be connected to you being aware of Jesus' redemptive work in your life. When he says twice, rejoice, he is saying, are you glad for the undeserved favor of God in your life? Are you glad that the God of the universe chased you down in your sin, chased you down in your brokenness, chased you down when you were running away in your lukewarm life, and he rescued you by his grace? Are you glad you're saved? Are you glad you're saved, church? Are you glad? Are you glad? Some people, listen, I, I'm, I love my charismatic and Pentecostals, man. I believe in the fire of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the power of God. I believe. I've seen miracles in other moments where you're out of your mind. Like in Africa. Some of my friends were here with me in Africa. Where I was standing on a field. And a girl who had been deaf and mute her whole life, saved the first couple of months of her life. She went deaf and mute because of a fever. She'd never heard, never spoken. And God said, stick your fingers in her ears. You know what you have to be to stick your fingers in someone else's ears? You have to be what? Man, you guys are like Bereans. You're so good at this. You gotta be out of your mind. What in the world are these dirty little digits from Florida gonna do? Why can't I just pray more nobly? I mean, think about it. They ain't got no Q tips in the middle of Africa. I just became the Q-tip. I said, okay. And I reached my hands to her because 
She can't hear me. I've stuck my fingers in her ears. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this deaf and mute spirit. Come off of her now. And boom, her eyes opened up. She could hear the worship. She could hear the prayers. She could suddenly hear everything that was going on in that field. She looks at me strangely, and I knew God had healed her in that instant. And the only word that rose up in my spirit is the weirdest thing I could have said. I could have had her say a ton of different things. I looked at her in the eyes, and I said, say amen. Like, this is it. This is final. This is done. We're not going back. And she says, for the first time, God loosing her tongue, amen. Just like that. Amen. Now, now listen. You thought I was out of my mind before. I lost my mind. I started looking for a friend. I'm like, Pastor Steve, come over here. Pastor Steve, come over here. He's like, what? I'm like, you need to see this girl. The girl is gone. I look up. She's run halfway across the field. She is at top speed running across the field. Guess where? Back to her village. You know why? I know. I think I know why. It's because she wanted to hear mama and daddy for the first time. She wanted to hear what the sound of, the, of her parents heard, what it was like. Listen, out of your mind, I'm so glad for the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. But did you know that Jesus sent the, the disciples out two by two everywhere that, ahead of where he was to go? And they came back the same way I came back from Africa. Wow! You should have seen the signs and wonders. And what did Jesus say in, in Luke chapter 10 verse 10? He says, do not rejoice that demons are subject to you in my name, but rejoice because your name is written on high. Are you rejoicing today? Because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's written in red. His blood never to be removed. I'm telling you today. You can rejoice just getting happy thinking about my name's in a book in heaven. Matter of fact, all of this other stuff on this planet, it should never move you the way his grace moves you. I'm exceedingly glad for grace. Now, I like what this says. It says, living out, I wrote this down, living out of your mind and in the spirit begins with the joy of knowing you belong to God because of grace. His undeserved favor. And I love verse 5, how it ends. Let your gentleness be known. The Lord is near. We read this, and we think the numbers, like the Holy Spirit put the numbers there. So we got this one verse that's like, rejoice, be happy. And then we got the next verse. We're like, ooh, maybe this is an ominous tone. It's actually not. It's not an ominous tone to say, let your gentleness be known. Why? He's still celebrating He's still in that spirit of celebration in this instruction. And he says, the Lord is near. Why? Because if you will praise out of your mind, it brings in God's presence. 
That's why it says the Lord is near. Your gentleness is a reflection of knowing God was gentle with me, with his grace, so I can carry that gentleness into this ministry, into this kingdom-expanding moment, and know my praise has attracted his presence. Let me give you the next one, another way to stay completely out of your mind. Here it is, pray. The greatest struggle, I think, for many, especially young people right now, so many people facing anxiety. And yet right here in Philippians 4, God gives the antidote to anxiety. He says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. By the way, if God ever gives an instruction, he always releases the power to live in the truth of that instruction. Be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, pre present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me give you the three ideas that are the antidote to anxiety that come here. That's, this is what helps us get out of our mind and live in the spirit. It says, first, pray. Now, we think we understand that, and I, I think we do in part. On the surface, it does simply mean communicating with God, but this word in the Greek also carries with it a location. It's not only the act of communicating with God, it is the prepared place of communicating with God. It is to say, for some, this is why Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. He said, this prepared place is a prepared place to commune with God. But I love this. When the people of God, the Israelites, were absent the temple or even absent a synagogue, what you would do, you would find in the morning and at noon and at night you would find the Israelites outside, connected to this word prayer. They would go down on the lake shore. Imagine the Sea of Galilee, that lake. And what they would do is on, right out there in nature, amazed by the majesty of creation, they would wash their hands, which was a symbolic of cleansing before God. God, I just want you to wash away everything that I've touched that is worldly, because now... I'm ready to commune with you. It was the idea that it's not only the act, but it's the prepared place. Listen, church, you want to stay out of your mind? Prepare a place to commune with God. We've done that every day here at Daily Prayer right here at 9 a.m. You can tune in online. It's on YouTube. It's on uh, Facebook. You can watch it at, later. You can watch us live. You can come in person right here at 9 a.m. There's a prepared place of prayer where you can commune with God. But I'm telling you, sometimes you need to shut your phone off and walk out into creation. Stop talking to people. Stop talking and say, I'm going to create a place right out here in the creation when all of creation is shouting his name. Jesus created me. Jesus is masterful. You need to say, oh, I've been anxious about a lot, but as soon as I go and I lift my eyes and see the beauty of this creation and understand there's a God that is bigger than my circumstance, 
Wow, it washes that anxiety away and pulls me out of my mind. Then it says, it's by prayer and petition. Petition's the easy part for us. It's the list. It's the list. You got a list? You got a list for God? By the way, lists are allowed. You got a list of things you want to see God do? If not, get a list. What are you dreaming about? What, what's the vision in your heart? Where do you want to partner with God? Why don't you dream a little bigger? You ever been intimidated by your list? You ever share your list with somebody and they say, you are? Welcome to the Calvary Expansion. By the way, I heard a great spiritual leader say this, though. He said, you know, people don't dream because they think they don't have the money. I would tell you this. The most costly thing you could ever experience is a life with no vision. It's a life with no vision. It's a life without a list before God, given by God that says, you are out of your mind. What do you mean? A 50,000 square foot new building. How, what do you mean you're going to buy 20 acres and then on the day of closing it's debt free? What do you mean? What do you mean you're going to see thousands of people one into the kingdom? What do you mean you're going you're to expand this building and build another one all at the same time? Get out of your mind and into the spirit. Our God is more than enough. There's a reason why God wants Calvary Church on the four lane connected to where all the expansion is. There's a reason why. There's a reason why. It's because he wants to activate you, and you, before you know it, you're going to have a whole tribe. You're not going to be able to ride around in your two-seat sports car. You're going to have to trade that in for some kind of big old van. You're going to be driving a whole bunch of people to church. In the name of Jesus. Maybe a suburban in Jesus' name. All right. Bring your list. A list is a good way to release the anxiety. Why? Because you know that there's a God who hears you, and he'll answer your prayers. But then this last one, it says, this is so good. It's prayer and petition. Listen to this, with thanksgiving. Now, every time I say the word thanksgiving, I see the glaze in the men's eyes in this place. I know what just happened to you. Immediately you thought, oh, I can't wait on that bird. <laughs> Stuffing. Gravy. Okay, that is not what this is talking about. Come back to me, men. Come back to me. <laughs> with Thanksgiving. We even think we have a, a real understanding of what this word Thanksgiving means. I want to tell you, we are so surface level. We are so surface level with this word. This word in the Greek is Eucharistia. Let me give it to you in English. The Eucharist. Uh-oh. That means... It's a little more than a common thank you. No, no, no. In prayer, he's saying, listen, when you've prepared a place and you've got your list, bring it to the table of Christ. Bring it to the prepared table where all the elements were provided for you. 
where everything that's on the table, you didn't pay for and you didn't prepare, but you get to partake in. That is the attitude. When you come into prayer, what you need to see is a crown of thorns on the brow and you need to see a spear in his side. You need to see a man who was marred more than any other and you need to see the power of the shed blood of Christ and he sets the table and he says I've called you by name your mind come and feast that is the kind of thing that'll get you out of your mind and free from anxiety when you know all that you're called to feast from you don't have to earn he paid for it prepared it and made it yours by grace that's what it means to pray with thanksgiving It says, in this moment, prayer welcomes peace. And it supersedes your mind. You have to get out of your mind to even begin to grasp this kind of peace. And it becomes a guard. It becomes a guard. Peace becomes a guard. Where? Over your heart and your mind. You say, man, come on. I don't know if I really trust in all that stuff. You're talking about stuff we can't even see. I, I got to tell you, here at Calvary, we employ lots of things we can't see. I want to announce to you, there are angels all over this property. Messengers of God carrying out His will. Some of you tried your dead level best to bring your demons in from the car. You tried. But in the unseen realm, we've been praying. We're like, God set angels in the parking lot and leave the demons in the car in Florida so you remind them that their future is hell. You got out of the car in confusion and you walked into the presence of God and you have clarity. I'm here to tell you, you need to place a little more faith in the unseen realm and a little bit less faith in what you can see. Get out of your mind. Get into prayer. Get into that prepared place. Bring your list and then come to the table and watch God supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. Listen, what's that guard look like? It's the exemption from the chaos of war. I need some people to believe that when I pray, it's that God gives me my exemption from the chaos. Oh, when you pray, you get exempted from the chaos of culture and the chaos of family and the chaos of the brokenness of the kingdom of darkness. I've got exemption. Why? He's standing at the gate of my heart and of my mind. I am exempt from this chaos. I have the peace of God from the Prince of Peace. Blood of Jesus made peace for us, and now God fights my battles through prayer. Let me give you this other one. You got to ponder. You want to stay out of your mind? Ponder. You say, How do I do that? I got to be in my mind to ponder. Well, let's look at what Philippians says. It says, Finally, my brothers, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, whatever's admirable, and anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Wait a minute. 
Philippians 4.8 just said, I cannot watch the news. As a pastor, I not only am called to relay biblical truths and to welcome you into a deeper theological understanding of who God is and how he operates, I am also called to be a voice to expose the workings of the devil. To awaken you to this reality. There has been a concerted effort of the kingdom of darkness. Listen to this. To demoralize people in our culture. It's to demoralize the people in this culture. That when you look around that you feel down. That when the 4th of July rolls around. If you celebrate it they now call you a terrorist. America is terrible. Being a man is terrible. Being a woman, well, we don't even know what that is. And I'm here to tell you, it's been going on since the 60s. When, it, when everything thought there was this major revolution and the nation as a whole was running headlong away from God, there was a message that crept in in culture and it was this. The primary problem on this planet is people. Matter, matter of fact, some of you old enough to remember, it's not me, but some of you, There were people back in the 60s and 70s that said, oh, when the planet reaches 3 billion people, there'll be no food. There'll be widespread starvation. This planet will be turned upside down. We're going to have another ice age. By the way, the message has not changed. Here's the message. Rising sea levels. Problem, people. Pollution, people. By the way, did you know that last year there was a greater harvest of food on the planet than in any other year in the history of the earth? There is more food now than there ever has been. And by the way, that number is like almost 8 billion. It didn't happen. The message coming from, listen, message coming from culture is this. People are the problem. I'm here to tell you. They are not. Bad ideas are the problem. Bad ideas are the problem. Don't surrender. Do not surrender your thoughts that people are the problem. Never surrender that you think my my enemy is a person. No, you have an enemy. It's Satan. Satan influences people. But the greatest enemy to take on in this hour is the ideological one. You get born again, and then you need to communicate the ideas of the kingdom. Where are they listed? Right here in Philippians 4. You take your mind and apply it to what? Those things which are true. 
Do not participate in the faults. What's noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. And it says think. This word is, is an accounting term. This word for think. It means to reckon. It means uh, to add it all up, to calculate, to compute, to count, to count it over. So we ought to be regularly taking inventory of things that are right, not things that are wrong. I know some of you are looking at me, well, pastor, you're just a glass is half full kind of a guy. I'm more of a glass is half empty kind of guy. I'm just going to tell you, you don't even know your pastor. I'm not a glass is half full kind of guy. I'm a Psalm 23 kind of guy. And my Bible says my cup, it runs over. My cup isn't half full. It's not even full. My cup is full and running over. I want to tell you, that's what I'm meditating on. That's what I'm pondering. And there's so many young people. When you ask them to think, they're like, ah, I don't want to think. I just want to scroll. <laughs> Noted psychologist Dr. Jordan Peterson, when asked this question, why think? It's hard. When you ask a, psy a psychologist, why think? It's hard. This is what he answered. Because acting on stupid ideas is even worse. Yeah. <laughs> Let me give you the Bible verse, just in case you all think, oh, well, that was a little bit too much. You're stepping over a line here. Uh, there is a way that seems right unto man, but in its end, it leads to death. There is a thinking that will lead you way away from God. And if you act on those bad ideas, they lead you away from the lover of your soul. But there is some thoughts that are right, some praiseworthy thoughts. And those are the things you should be pondering on. It's not that we shouldn't be problem solvers, but you don't solve problems by just analyzing the problems. You analyze what is right and you institute that into the region and then it carries with it the blessing of God see pondering when it's on the right thing changes your perspective you'll live out of your mind let me give you the last thing quickly and that is this you want to live out of your mind practice it's right here this is what he says he says those things this is apostle Paul speaking to this the, the people he is in fellowship with in the Philippian church, whatever you have learned, received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. That word learned is the word that we get disciple from. And so that, that word learned, it means the thing that I showed you, the thing I, 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 I walked you into, that discipling moment, that which you've learned, received, this, is, this word received means take in. It's the picture of Noah when he released the dove from the ark, wondering if there was land. And, and the, 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 the dove, it found no resting place. So the dove came back to a place where it was welcomed and taken in and received. It's a picture of while we're in the ark of salvation, 
we have our hand out saying, Spirit of the living God, I'll take you in. Because listen, church, there are some things in this kingdom which cannot be taught, which must be caught, which must be imparted through real relationship. That's why on Wednesday we laid hands on everybody and God moved in power. Because there are some things which can be uh, taught and other things which must be received. He said, what, you, what you've learned, received, heard, that's spoken truth. We need that. And then he says this, and what you've seen in me, that do. I would counsel you to find those spiritual leaders that you could say, what I see in their life, that's what I'll do. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to embrace. This is how you live out of your mind. You put these things into practice. By the way, Christianity is not you coming to church and listening to me on Sunday. This is where you come to get equipped. And this is where you come to, I, I believe, get encouraged to walk in your calling. Now, God manifests when you live for his kingdom. That's what it says. When you do these things, you put them into practice. It says the God of the universe will be with you. Do you live in a way that you know that God is with you? Do you live out of your mind? And in the spirit. It's the, it's the invitation of heaven. Galatians 5.25 Since we live in the spirit, let us then keep in step with the spirit. That's what this is. It's not, man, I'm just going to calculate my life and play it safe. God, I now live for you. And I want to tell you today, if you're here in this place and you say, wow, this service has been unlike anything I've been in. And I feel this, this compelling. I see these people with joy and who, it seems like they have a real relationship with God, but I don't know that I have one. I want to tell you, I'm here and out of my mind for God's sake or in my right, my, my right mind for you. But why? Because Christ's love compels me to tell you, he died for all. And if you place faith in him, his blood will wash you. He will welcome you into the family of God. And you will live, I believe, you'll have an open door to live in his purposes and carry out his plan for your life.